Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. What act you going back and forth? Got an ass like an amphitheater. It begins with a U. It ends with an A. There's a meal dish out there. Monday Night Raw, number one. All right. Welcome, everyone, to the Cultaholic Classic Raw review. You see, whilst the other... Cultaholic lads are busy dealing with the biggest party of the summer in 2019. We are here via our Ica Pro Power DeLorean dealing with the biggest spring of 1994 in the world of the Wrestling Federation. And who be we? I be fake radio presenter, radio... I, I am a fake radio presenter these days, which is even funnier. Fake Geordie, radio presenter without portfolio. Your reigning and defending Cultaholic heavyweight champion, Please let me say that for longer than 24 hours. Tom Campbell, and I am with the bear in the big blue bar cage, who is the head pen of Cultaholic. <laughs> Furthermore, he has a terrible cough. He does not need a pencil because he gets it right every time. There's a Justin Henry, and he is off of America. I held the phone straight out and turned turn my head away from it, and you still heard me. <laughs> that was a... Post-lunch nacho plate coffee. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. And perhaps all that queso and shredded cheese is going to uh, log my voice a little bit, but we'll find out. We will certainly find out as we dip back into 1994 in the World Wrestling Federation. We are chronologically critiquing every single episode of Monday Night Raw. We started at the first one all the way back in 93, and we are into our second year and we are on the road to WrestleMania 10. Where and when are we on said road this week? Well, it is a taped show. We are still in Bushkill, Pennsylvania. This was taped January 31st of 94. But this is airing February 7th, one week later. And uh, first, I'd, I'd be remiss because I just found a very fascinating note here on the historyofwe.com's results archive. Three days before the show was taped, remember the story I told you about the ring showing up to the wrong province. Oh, yes, yes. That was a, that was a wonderful time. <laughs> I found possibly, well, not quite a funny anecdote, but still just something that, uh, almost a sign of the times for just how dire things were in 94. This is from three days before this taping. This was in Manaka, Pennsylvania at the Golden Dome, which for the historians out there was the, um, <clears throat> that was the home of the 1997 November to remember where Shane Douglas regained the world title from, a. Uh, Bam Bam Bigelow, and I came across this little note here. In the main event, Intercontinental Champion Razor Ramon pinched Shawn Michaels with a razor's edge around the 17-minute mark. Sounds normal so far. Mm -hmm. 
until this part of the sentence. The two didn't lock up until 15 minutes had elapsed. Ooh. <laughs> how, how come? Was it, was it Shawn Michaels ducking <clears throat> and diving? I'm guessing it was the Larry Zabisco um, brand of, of uh, stallage there. For 15, so they had a two-minute match in the main event after stalling for 15. I was uh, privy to a, a match that went for probably about 19 minutes, but the match itself only lasted four seconds because of all the stalling, the jumping in, the jumping out, just an absolute fever pitch once the match finally happened, and it was a spear and a one, two, three, and it was over. It was amazing. <laughs> five stars or minus five stars? I'm giving it five stars because the guy who did the spear would probably pull my eyes out if I didn't. I see him Fair on enough. a fairly regular basis. He'd be your... cross with me. John Eiley? <laughs> it was. It was John Eiley's debut match. Usually you'd work up to that, but not John. No, no, John's straight in there. John, John, can you Photoshop John in a wrestling match, John? Thank you, John. <laughs> That's for this show here. <clears throat> Some time ago on this show, I shared an anecdote with everybody. <clears throat> God, this is I'm, I'm all flemmy here. Don't mind oh, me. Oh, you've Damn got flemmy cheese. cheese mouth. Who was a famous country singer in the nineties? <laughs> Hold on one second. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it one serious hack here. Hold on one moment. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> got it. Justin Henry coughing up a hairball. Tom, leave that in the edit. It's funny. <laughs> it's okay. I don't mind. I shared some time ago an anecdote about a match in USWA where, where the jobber was already in the ring, you know, in the corner to my right, and out walks Sid Vicious. And the jobber just nopes him, just turns, walks out of the ring, walks out the back door of the studio, and just leaves and is never seen again because he does not want to face Sid Vicious because he's scared to death of him. So he, as I said, he noped him. <laughs> I bring that up because when I saw the graphic for this show, with Vince McMahon and Bam Bam Bigelow sitting at the – I'm sorry, not Bam Bam Bigelow, Bastion Booger and Vince McMahon sitting at the commentary desk. And Booger had about 20 pounds of food sitting in front of him. I almost noped this show. Because <laughs> I remember this show now. I'm like, yeah. Thing is, we complained last week about how IRS's entire run on commentary was just him making tax-based jokes. This week, mm -hmm. we've just replaced Rotundo with Bastian Booger and tax jokes with food jokes. Uh, well, yeah. But as we point out with IRS, it was basically the same, uh, same material just done over and over again on loop. This was the same thing. Bastion Booger is going to make – he's going to turn everything into a food remark. Even something monumental happens on the show, he's going to make it about food. He's going to diminish everything. Just, if he was at ringside at WrestleMania 30, as soon as Brock broke the streak, he would have said, Oh, my God, the streak is over. Hey, can I get some donuts? <laughs> no, he'd have gone, Oh, streak, streaky bacon, I'm hungry. <laughs> Sparky. You know something, McMahon? I think maybe I got a little bit extra gas for 
for Sparky. <laughs> In addition to Sparky being with us, joining us as well, The Rocket, Owen Hart, and The Rocket is headed to WrestleMania. Oh, you know something about that Rocket? I feel like I'm ready to blast off right now, too. <laughs> In addition to that matchup, ladies and gentlemen, joining us as well will be the great Kona Crush. Crush will be here. Oh, Crush is going to take all of his opponents and crush them just like these nachos. Oh, Bastion Burger is headed for a Maalox moment. Let's take you to action. Here we go. But from watching it, I was tired of the food jokes about three jokes in. Yeah, I, I even thought the first one sort of finished me off. It was, it kind of started the whole thing. By by talking about, was it the gas one? That was it. He was uh, talking. They were talking about the debut of Thurman Plug, and uh, he immediately goes, "Hey, I've got some gas." Oh, so you're flatulent? Brilliant. This is high quality stuff. You really sold this debutant to me. It wasn't even just that. It was the fact that he laughed at everybody. Like, ha, 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 ha. it was a very obnoxious <laughs> laugh that he continued to do. I mean, he, he is playing a character, and he's, in his defense, he's playing the character well. He, you know, like, if, if you told someone, go out there and just let everyone know that you love food, and that you devour food in a very disgusting fashion with no table manners, then Bastion Booger is doing his job. Yeah, very true. He was told he was told to go out and just be Bastion Booger for an hour, and that <laughs> he was. He'd be like in the same way of saying that if somebody were a hitman, and they were sent to kill me, and as I'm bleeding death on the floor, your hip and I think, wow, he's really good at his job. And then, <laughs> and, and then everything goes black after that. The problem is I'm quite so, a nice yes, he did boy. His job I probably would end up going, do you know what? That was a really good kill that you did there. <laughs> well played. I'd clap, but I'm not. You blow my arms off, so time. I can't. <laughs> Slow clap on my toes. <clears throat> So before we even get to that, we have the recap from last week of the whole Gennetti Polo Kid IRS Razor Kerfluffle. I just want to say Kerfluffle. It's a good word. Strong word. It, very, very, very much so. Tonight, Marty Gennetti versus IRS. So we go to ringside. Here's Vince and Booger's eating nachos just like I was a half hour ago. I kind of feel like knowing the match, knowing the show that we had, you you should have turned up eating nachos. Hmm. Method acting, in it. Well, I mean, I, I don't eat half of it. I put the rest in the fridge. <laughs> Feel free I to eat them whilst we to. talk. It's absolutely fine. And don't want to be too on the nose with it, which is, I mean, that's their job to be on the nose. So, uh, get the plug for back for Sparky Plug's debut. It's a plug for plug. <laughs> it's a Thurman plug. It certainly is. And Vince lets us know that he has dual careers. Because pro wrestlers, who at one time we believe were the highest paid people in the world, the top of their profession, and you know, they're paid like the big bucks, like football stars or what have you. Here's Sparky. He's, he's having a car to make ends meet. <laughs> it's, I mean, the thing is, the idea of wrestlers having multiple jobs, surely that's been a part of the WWE, the WWF at this point, for ages so this isn't like a development that he's the first guy with dual jobs. I mean, there's there's a there's a tax inspector amongst the ranks. <laughs> there was a there was a, a a guy who worked in repossession. Well, yeah, but in fairness, actually, I 
I have nothing to say about that. <laughs> is it more the fact that they're dual job rather than dual sport? I guess so. It's, it's he's dual careers. He, he's balancing two things at once. He has kids to feed. <laughs> and Bob Holly was the heap slater of his day. I got kids. <laughs> and Booger makes an awful gas joke off of, of the whole plug. I got gas too, as you've noticed. Yeah, ab and absolute then, banter from Flatulence. And then Owen Hart is here tonight, and Vince makes sure to call him the Rocket just to feed Booger a, a little layup there so that Booger, Booger can, can slam dunk the blast-off joke. Another Flatulence uh, remark. So we are two for two on the fart gagometer on Monday Night Raw this week. Excellent. Crushed here to possibly to make sure that Booger doesn't take his title of worst commentator in the history of the show. <laughs> and a spoiler, he fails. <laughs> we start off with the Smoking Guns versus Barry Horowitz and Reno Riggins. And I am pleased because Horowitz has his sequin tailcoat with the hand on the back. Ah, yes, I, I enjoyed their outfits. Yes, they were very well dressed preliminary talents. This starts out as a very basic squash match, although the heels take over very early because Horowitz and Riggins are bound to get in some offense. We get this bizarre spot where Billy tries to go for a walking tag, but instead of tagging his hand, Bart just climbs to the top rope and jumps over Billy and cross bodies, I think, both guys. Some some intriguing maneuvering from these guys, I thought. And Vince makes sure to let us know, I'm not sure it was a tag there because you know, tag team rules are important. Uh, uh, we want to come back to what Bastian Bugger's talking about, and his big thing is that Barry Horowitz and Reno Riggins don't look big enough. He's, he keeps talking about how they should be fatter. That's what Bastian Bugger brings to the table in this match. <laughs> really beating that dead horse and making roast beef sandwiches out of it, I see. <laughs> Very much so. It's at this point that Vince suggests that Roseanne Barr could be a manager for Booger. Back in the day, Roseanne was kind of the go-to for slovenly jokes, fat jokes, and this, that, and the other. So that's like really the you know low-hanging fruit there. It really is a lot of the a lot of the little digs that Vince gets in. It's just oh, it's just it feels sedated. It really does. I mean, Roseanne was timely in recent years, but not for you know being the for very different reasons. Uh, well, yeah. There is one comment that Vince makes. Uh, to Bastion Booger, because all night he's given the little elbows and the ribs for stuff. There's one comment that he makes to Bastion Booger that is eerily precedent in 2019, and we'll get to it later in the show. That is a hook and a tease. Yeah, I'm not sure what you're referring to, so you'll have to make sure they're jumping at the right time. I will, don't you worry. It's at this point that Vince gives Freddie Blassie a birthday shell. Yeah, that's cool. We all love Freddie Blassie. Yeah, I thought that was a nice surprise hearing Freddie Blassie getting some love. Freddie Blassie always got respect from this company. And, and for good reason, he's one of the best ever. One of the best heels, one of the sharpest sharpest minds in terms of cutting promos. And literally, he was sharp. He filed his own teeth in the, in the vampiric points. Did he so really? He, I did not yes, know this. He took a literal file and filed his teeth down to make them more sharp so that when he bit into his opponents, he could draw blood more oh, easily. Oh, what? That's amazing. Because he's classy. <laughs> no. oh, here's a little homework assignment for everybody, now that I'm thinking about it. On the network is the last episode of Tuesday Night Titans from 1986. Blasky's on there, Mean Gene, Jake Roberts, Iron Sheik. It is a cluster F of just 
we don't care comedy. They're making the most over-the-line jokes you could possibly make in 1986 on a wrestling program, <laughs> and they just do not care. It, it is it is surreal to watch in hindsight. The Attitude Era wasn't this raunchy. Really? Oh, I've not. I, I've seen a a an embarrassingly few amount of episodes of Tuesday Night Titans. So I need to to dig into this one at least. It was very hit or miss, and even when it missed, it still hit in a very odd way. <laughs> it's, it's it's so amateurish. You have to love it. It but is like episode... it's basically what happens when a wrestling company tries to put on a a, a comedy hour. Yes, and it, it's so it feels so low budget that it actually adds to the charm. It's like watching, it's like watching a parody of of something. It's like, like, as though it were intentionally uh, done for satire. But I feel like that they, they, um, they've not really moved along. When you when you consider like the the comedy specials they do now, i.e. the Edge and Christian show, like it doesn't feel like it's actually moved along that much. Well, Edge and Christian's still pretty funny, though. It is, but it still has that sort of awkward humor about it that the episodes of Tuesday Night Titans had. It does have a very decidedly WWE flavor to it. Yeah, that's it. It's a WWE flavor. I I will say it, it's still miles funnier than Camp WWE. Oh gosh, I just I know what they were trying to achieve with Camp WWE. I really do, but it's it was I I I get the fact that a lot of the stuff they do on the network is very in, mm-hmm. but it's to the point where. I, I, it makes my toes curl a little bit. Yeah, it's just part of it is I can't get past the, you know, the whiny kid voices. Like the one that does the voice for Stone Cold is just so grating on the skin. But anyway, we're getting way off track. Oh yeah, this is we such are. A great we? show, <clears throat> such a great show. We have to get back to it. <laughs> I will say the finish of this match was incredible. See, Billy and Bart have had some various, various variations of the same finish move called the Sidewinder. And I'm thinking this is one of them. If I recall correctly, Bart lifts was Harwitz or Riggins? I can't. I'm sorry, it was Riggins. He lifts them up in the Jesse Ventura backbreaker, the over the shoulder, what they call the body breaker. And Billy goes to the top rope. He's uh he's closer to where Riggins' head is. He jumps off and basically splashes the upper body, and pulls him right out of Bart's arms and drops him to the ground. I liked this version of the Sidewinder. I don't think I ever saw it again after this. Yeah, maybe. Perhaps there was a reason for it. Yeah, <laughs> it looks a little bit dangerous. It was like when they did the backdrop into the pile driver finish last summer. The one that looked like it was about killed uh, Glenn Ruth. I'll say this. The Smoking Guns, if you can get past you know, these sort of dated cowboy gimmick, they were a damn good team. I, th- I think they were. They, they, they looked enough alike to be real brothers. Mm-hmm. Maybe they go more, like, more of like an America's Most Wanted kind of route, where they're like outlaws or bounty hunters or something, and, and, and give them a little bit of edge instead of just being smiling dime store cowboys. That's that might have been a good shout. They would have been amazing, like America's Most Wanted. Yeah, they. There was a lot there. Billy was very athletic, and and, and Bart he didn't really stand out all that much. He's you know Billy had a little bit more energy to him, but they were fine together. This Bart would have been the Chris Harris of the team. <laughs> the Braden Walker. And that's a shame because Chris Harris was a damn good wrestler. He really he was. was. An AMW. And 
if you don't believe me, just watch those two versus Triple X and those two steel cage matches they had because they were awesome. But don't watch the blindfold six sides no. of steel that they had. That'll make you no, sad. No, no, no. Do not do that. AMW 03 versus versus Modern Day Revival would be awesome. Give our audience, give, give our fans, give them some reason, some provocation, some legitimate provocation for what you did. When you kicked your brother in the knee, what's the provocation for that? Honestly, you want to know? I kicked you in the leg, Brett, and it felt good. It really felt good. I had a lifetime of anger and hostility and frustration. And when I laid that kick into your leg, Vince, it felt great. I got a whole world, a whole lifetime of frustration off my chest in that one little kick, Brett. I should have kicked you again, but I had composure. Even though you cost me the biggest title in my life, the WWF Tag Team Belts, you stripped it away from me, Brett. I'll never forget what you did, the feelings that I had in that ring when you did that to me, Brett. I'll never forget it. This situation with Owen and what happened with Owen and uh, where it's taken my family, and uh, I have never, I, I, I promised myself that I, I, would, I would never forgive myself if I uh, in any way physically confronted or, or battled it out with my brother. That was something I would never, ever allow myself to do. And I don't know if I can forgive the people that have uh, somehow put this thing into motion. And I don't know if I can forgive uh, Owen himself. And I don't even know if necessarily that I can forgive myself. But I think it's got to the point where I gotta do something about it. It's obviously not gonna go away. It has and to be resolved. As much as I love my brother Owen, I don't, and I and I hate the thought of myself actually physically having to deal with him. I don't see any other way around it. It's time for Owen and I to settle this thing. I know my mom and dad are my mom and dad are going to be sick, knowing that we are going to physically go at it. But I want them to know I did everything I could possibly do to prevent this. And I don't see any other way around it. This has got to be done. And I got to settle this thing with Owen. And maybe, just maybe, I can knock some kind of sense into Owen. Well, this is like a present day version of Cain and Abel. And ladies and gentlemen, we shall return with Cain, or I should say the Rocket Owen Hart, for more Monday Night Raw. So we have a recap of the Brett Owen story from the, from the Rumble. The leg out of the leg. We get footage of an, we get footage of an Owen Hart interview on, on All American Wrestling. Owen comes off psychotic here. Oh, he was great in this. He just looked intense and angry, and he was. This was this was the Owen Hart that I I've been waiting to see, like the one that's been bubbling under the surface. And every so often, would just poke his head up a little bit and go back down again. His head's all out now, and he was brilliant in this. The camera zooms in on Owen here as he's talking about how good it felt to hurt Brett. How good it felt to just let that anger out after all these years of Brett tormenting him and Owen being envious of him. As the camera zooms in to almost take up Owen's entire head, Owen's talking to the lens as though it were Clarice Starling. <laughs> so, so, so it is, Clarice. Do you still get upset when you hear the Quebecers theme music? <laughs> 
and you're laying on the mat with a bad knee, Brett. <laughs> I kicked your leg from under your leg, Brett. <laughs> I ate your leg with some fava beans and a nice WWF ice cream bar. And another leg. <laughs> <laughs> You've been waiting for that bit, haven't you? Yeah, John, boy. <laughs> John put Owen Hart on the um on that hand truck that they put Hannibal Lecter on with the chains and the and, and the straight jacket. Owen Hartable Lecter, please, John. That would be grand. Thank you, please. Uh, if you're new to the podcast, by the way, anytime we say John, uh, this <clears throat> alerts Photoshop Supreme John Eiley to come to life with his copy of Photoshop that he's definitely bought himself. <laughs> and um, just thought I'd add that just in case Adobe are listening. And um, with with his with his magical powers, he will conjure up images that our brains create. For example, Hannibal Lecter, Owen Hart, John Eiley will now work on that. If you follow John Eiley on Twitter, you will be able to see some of the magic he comes up with. I L E Y Eiley. John, yeah, I L E Y J O H N I L E Y. Why? Because he's great, John Eiley. <laughs> so in contrast to Owen's interview we have a very melancholy Brett he's very contemplative he's doing his interview uh, I assume with Vince he's uh, talking about how he regrets that it's come to this because this entire time ever since Owen first shoved him at Survivor Series and made the challenge to him for a one-on-one -on -one match Brett has not wanted to fight Owen under any circumstances Owen could call him the worst name in the world Brett would not hit him he does not want to hit his own brother but now, Owen's forced his hand. And because of the coin flip last week, Brett has no choice but to wrestle Owen at WrestleMania 10. So his back's to the wall now. And he hates that it's come to this. Owen, um, Brett says, like, all these things. He says, like, Owen did this, and Owen pushed me to do this. But then Brett says, I'll never forgive the people who put this in motion. Yeah. Like, he refuses to blame Owen. It's, it's still everyone else's fault, but Owen's. <laughs> It was kind of a weird line because I don't know what he was referring to at first. Like, like it was almost because uh, I remember recording his book. He wanted he wanted a few of Owen to give Owen something to do and help him move up the card because Owen was floundering before that Survivor Series storyline. He was just, hey, it's Brett's brother, and that's all he was. That's all they were using him for. So I, I love I the line though. I love it's it's still that Bret Hart has been low key brilliant in this so mm -hmm. far like he doesn't he like he got attacked by owen he said very calmly look under no circumstances do i want to fight him and then he was put in a match to fight him and he's turned around today and he said look owen did this and he's my brother and i don't want to fight him but now you've made me fight him and i don't want to fight him like there is some it's you've got the owen hart push 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 and you've got bret hart Back away, back away, back away, stand my ground. It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. It's the guy who knows, because the whole thing with Brett is, I think Brett, in, in Brett's mind, Brett's like, look, I know, it's a bit like, it's akin to Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair going into WrestleMania, where Shawn Michaels was like, look, I don't want this to happen, because if this happens, I will kill you. And I don't want to get there. And the other guy's like, oh yeah, well, come on, let's see if you can. And Brett's like, no, 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 no. I will kill you, and I don't want to. It's great. It's so good. It's so different from his usual, or I'm the good guy, I'm, I'm going to stand up for what's right, or I'm the bad guy, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to do wrong things and get you mad at me. And, and it's just, it's, it's so much better than paint-by-numbers crap. Yeah, so much better. 
Contrast that to when Christian turned on Edge like seven years after this. I don't know if you remember that one when he attacked him with the uh, King of the Ring trophy. He gave him the one-man concerto, the sick, the sick, the similar split. Yeah. At that point, at that point, they're brothers. They're supposed to love each other. Edge, Edge should feel hurt and betrayed. But when he turns up next, he's spearing Christian. He's got, he's got a sick smile on his face. It's like, well, you must have really hated him this whole time. This yeah. Is actual love. I'm glad Christian kicked your ass then. <laughs> <laughs> you clearly deserved it. I mean, it's not Edge's fault. They just rushed the whole storyline rather than have a pathos play there. They decided just like, okay, now here's the part where Edge gets his revenge. It's like they skip him right to the end of uh, Heaven's Gate and and skip the entire seven hours of exposition in the middle of it. Think how good that feud would have been if they'd given it like if it happened and then they didn't have the blow off till like Survivor Series. Or even longer. Or even, yeah, on... I mean, because obviously you had the invasion stuff ticking along. So I know that was all getting in the way. So I guess with the invasion stuff happening around it, the, the, the payoff would have been Survivor Series, where it's like, like one, of, one of the brothers is staying, one of the brothers is going, and they now have to fight to determine who. Because you would have still had Christian join the Alliance. You would have still had Christian uh, just carry on being an outspoken maroon. And you would have had Edge defending like obviously he's on the side of the wwf but really he's more concerned with you know what's happened with him and his brother so he's on he's also ipso facto on the wwf side but that's not the pressing point it would have just been an extra little little uh kink to the survivor series card if you had brother versus brother the winning brother uh will end up staying in the company but hey this is this is fan this is not fantasy bookingville <laughs> It's also why Cody versus Dustin at Double or Nothing was so uh, intriguing because even, even with limited resources and time to build the match, they both sounded realistic. And it was they a similar thing. That... It was a similar thing mm -hmm. to Brett and Owen here and Sean and Flair in the sense that Cody was the one saying, I just, I'm, I'm going to take him out. I just, I'm, I'm going to have, and then Cody getting upset saying, I'm just taking a, a, an old dog around the back. And it's just that I, I like it when it doesn't, it doesn't happen very often, which is good. It shouldn't do. I like the whole thing where the feud is the guy saying, look, I don't really want to have this match with you because it's only going to go one way. And the other guy going, no, it's no, come on. I'll have you. They're like, no, please, for love of God, please, let's not do it. And then it ends up going the way the calm guy said it would. I was like, I told you, I told you. And the problem with those kind of storylines, and this isn't this isn't really a problem if you think about it, but it is for certain people, is that in those kind of angles, you get to choose who you cheer for. You get yeah. to choose who you side with. But in a world where everything has to be black and white, and sometimes understandably so, you don't get that very often. So Owen Hart versus our favorite jobber, John Paul. Yay, John Paul's back! Woo, John Paul! He's a star, John Paul. <laughs> I almost want to write the Jim Cornette in the, in, for his uh, corny drive-through show and have and have him uh, and give some memories of John Paul because this guy had so much talent, so much natural ability it seemed like, and he just kind of faded away after a while. He just didn't do anything other than turn up and be a brilliant enhancement guy. He he was full of fire. He knew how to sell. He was very athletic. It, it seemed like. He, I mean, maybe it was still the wrong time because he was still—he was a very skinny guy. Although he had one, two, three kid. Although 
him being as thin as it was made him a, a bit more unique in a land of heavyweights. It's I just think John Paul could have been something more than what he was. It's at this point that I wrote Booger sounds like Kevin Owens minus the French accent. There is there is an element of Owens to him. I I, I mean the difference between IRS last week and Booger this week is. I feel like I feel like I like the sound of Booger's voice, not the words that he's saying, but the sound mm-hmm. and the cadence of his voice. I prefer to IRS. Yeah, Booger has this very blue-collar Midwestern accent. He's, I think he's from Michigan, so he's like, he's like oh, yeah, yeah. it's very friendly sounding. Yeah, that's probably like, what it is. There's a friendliness to it. He's like a neighbor to all the Fargo characters. <laughs> he's ordered pizza he during from this Michigan. match, by the way. Yes, because uh, you know, he's he's a glutton, and we have to keep reinforcing that. I'm I'm, I'm imagining Booger and Fargo now forcing somebody into a wood chipper. <laughs> John, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna eat what comes out the other end. <laughs> out here in Brainerd, John, some sweet numbers. <laughs> Booger, Booger in Fargo, please. Booger in Fargo. Bogo. Bogo. If you could get the font and make it Bogo, that'd be grand. <laughs> Oh, you shot me in the face. <laughs> Ow. Oh, God. You can't. Incidentally, I know we're, we're like 30 minutes into the show. You can't make me laugh too much this week, Justin, because I'm in an incredible amount of pain. From what? I. And, and this will set the dirt sheets off, brother. Um, <laughs> I went to wrestling training on Tuesday night. Well, that was your first problem. <laughs> I was just intrigued to see how it worked, and and, and a big shout out to um, to Jamie Ahmed and Howard Drake, who gave me my first ever wrestling training session. And I, if you, I'm now, I'm not saying that I'm anywhere near the finished article, Justin, but if you ever want somebody to do a 20 minute match that involves just an arm, wrist, a wrist lock, and a snapmare, then I'm your man. <laughs> so, uh, how many snapmares did you take there? I think I took about 30 and I think I gave about 30 and every part of me hurts (laughs) and it has done since Tuesday. Well, you'll grow into it. It's okay. um... I hope so. I hope so. But I'd say if if I'm, if I'm subdued today, if you're listening going, Tom hasn't done his big jolly laugh, his big Ted DiBiase laugh in a while, it's because it really hurts to do it. I'll stop doing booger. I'll stop doing booger then. (laughs) Yeah, you'll betcha. <laughs> Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So Owen does this brilliant bit now where he, he wears the Bret Hart shade of the ring. He finds a kid in the Bret shirt in the front row, goes up to him. He's going to do the Bret thing, put him on his head. Now he tears him up right in front of him. Oh, God, he's so good. He's so good. <laughs> Owen was made for this role. This was, it was like the moment that he kicked his leg from under his leg. Like this Owen Hart was born. And this was like, you, this was the role he was born to play, the foil to Bret. Silent rage, Owen. This is, this is what you, this is what you've wanted. This is what this is what Owen should have been, possibly for even longer until Brett st- you know, spoke up for him and said, "You know, why not use Owen for this role?" Because it was Vince and Pat Patterson that suggested Bruce Bruce Hart for the role, and Brett said, "What about Owen?" And according to Brett, Pat tried to talk him out of it. Oh, what? Because he didn't think Owen could handle it. Oh, but I kind of get that if you were to watch Owen Hart and he was like part of High Energy, like you get this. You get this vibe of white meat baby face from mm-hmm. Owen Hart, and it's a, and I get it. It would have been a risk to see whether or not he could hang with a, a much grittier character. But hey, sometimes you 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 got to jump off the diving board, and they did, and they scored a perfect ten into the pool when Owen Hart became the anti-bread. Well, the funny thing about that is, according to Brett's book, he took the reason why he had the leverage that ask about Owen is because he had given his notice to the company, Brett. Because he wasn't, he was toying with the idea of possibly leaving. Although he, in in, in his case, it was, it was just renegotiating and just trying to get Vince's attention. Like, hey, I can leave. You know, it's because he wasn't happy about being taken out of the world title scene. He wasn't happy about how he'd been used for much '93. So Brett kind of had him by the balls there. So Brett was like, "I want to come back. I want a new contract, and I want Owen to be doing stuff." Well, it it was suggested that that, that Brett have a few of one of his one of his relatives as a way possibly appeasing him further like here you get to work with someone you love and they suggested bruce and brett that and that's when brett said how about owen so if brett doesn't uh if brett doesn't hardball vince and you know, play tough in negotiations who knows how different things are we could have had a very different world with bruce hart as the foil to brett not even that if, if, if brett just didn't hardball at all you could have had a, a totally different push owen could have left the business at some point out of just you know you know, like, well, I never got my push. I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to go into teaching or something. But thankfully, we live in the timeline where Brett's, where Brett's anti-O, anti-Brett is Owen Hart. Yes, and and this is the this is like the ideal sort of bizarre World Mortal Kombat mirror match that we're building to for WrestleMania. Yeah. Uh, so Owen and Paul are having this nice little technical match. Paul gets a nice kip up at one point. Vince being Vince turns a pop culture reference into an IcroPro plug. It's like working off two bingo cards at once. And this is the point where, well, that was it because he was talking about how Bastion Booger should maybe, you know, he's not really like the ideal athlete. You know, if he was maybe on the IcroPro, he would be. And then Booger comes back and goes, you better not put that stuff on my pizzas. Like, way to run down IcroPro. <laughs> <laughs> Well, apparently it wasn't that good, according to some people who uh, 
Oh, I've heard it's trash. I've heard it's awful. <laughs> but it's and there's probably still. You've got to want it. <laughs> Please, you don't want it. But there's and there's probably warehouses somewhere still full of the stuff that's congealed and formed its own little colony of really wait, wait, buff wait. '90s wrestlers. You just you just gave me an idea. You ever watch those wrestling re- with regret episodes where Brian Zane like like eats old wrestling food? Oh, you thinking we should get him some Icapro? If we can find this stuff, let's talk to Mr. Zane and see if he's willing to. Let's see if he really wants it. <laughs> what if he? What if he really wants it and he turns into like a buff '90s wrestler? <laughs> so we just have to siphon it somehow. What if he turns into Gary Stridham? Wow. <laughs> Well, that would add a whole new element to watching wrestling with regret. Then, oh, it certainly it would it would enhance my viewing. <laughs> nice shoulders, nice delts. Talk about a night on the town! Wow, <laughs> very romanticized image of Mr. Brian Zane. <laughs> so back to the match here. Owen hits the the awesome spinning heel kick, but he pulls him up on two, which is, I'll bet is the first time Owen has ever done that in his career to this point. Yes. Very heelish shenanigans. I think it's pretty fun to hear Booger, hear Booger reference Stu Hart because uh, he has quite a history with Owen Hart and Stampede Wrestling, Booger. He does, yeah, because he was Mike Shaw in Stampede, wasn't he? He was mocking Singh. Yes, oh, he was a, really? Yes, he played the Middle you know, I don't know what country he was from, but he, he was from the Middle East, even though he was obviously a white guy from Michigan. The wrestling was very weird in the 80s. It was a very odd time for everybody involved. Uh, yeah, but Booger and Owen had some pretty good matches together back in Stampede. Probably Booger's best matches ever. Owen being the sympathetic baby face, Booger trying to claw his eye out with a fork. It's much different than the Bashing Booger you see here. He's He has so much potential, which is why it annoys me that he gets lumbered with a character like this. Yeah, unfortunately. It's at this point Vince brings up Ted Turner. I know. Wasn't that weird? <laughs> This show's getting more surreal by the moment, but that was, like, jarring. Your Vince name dropped Ted Turner. Not billionaire Ted, but actual Ted Turner, the tycoon and TV visionary. I mean, it's in regards to Jane Fonda, who was Ted Turner's wife at the time. But, yeah, it just seems so... It's like Vince really laid on the pop culture stuff heavy this week. He laid it in thick, didn't he? He really did, and it's not really good to have during this match when you're trying to build Owen into the guy who's going to slay Brett at WrestleMania. You know, Owen's kind of like your future here. Maybe you should be um, in on him a little bit more than talking about you know, the guy who owns a company that's going to employ Hulk Hogan in four months. Oh, of course, because he wasn't in the company at this point, was he? Hogan, not quite yet. Nearly there, but not quite. At this point, there was he was probably on the set of Thunder in Paradise getting a phone call from... Eric Bischoff at this point. Probably. And in June, we'll see the new generation ads pop up. And that's, and that's when we'll know that Turner signed Hogan because all of a sudden, oh, the old guys are all old. Yeah. That, that's when we'll know when Hogan signs. So Owen wins via the sharpshooter. Keeps on a few seconds too long. Booger, meanwhile, is ranting about his pizza that he wants while Owen should be getting the attention. What's good about the company and what's bad about it in a nutshell here? I liked that now, like, him using the sharpshooter is seen as, like, a heinous thing to do. 
Like, how dare he use the sharpshooter? That's Brett's move. He's doing it just to stick it in, and I love it. It is the little things with this. It's the subtleties. If you believe in my undertaker, you must have faith in the fact that one day he'll return to us. But in reality, he has never really left us. Why, just the other day, someone said they saw the Undertaker. But you know, I see the Undertaker every day. That is the reason why I come here, to be closer to my Undertaker and to his spirit. If you believe in the Undertaker, you must have faith in the fact that one day he'll rise again. Paul Bear wearing his regular suits, walking through a snowy cemetery. He's never heard of an overcoat. He's dead inside. He doesn't feel the cold. Yes, he, he's he's melancholy. He's he's morose because Undertaker's gone. But I still see him. So now he's walking toward the camera. He's cutting his promo, his soliloquy, as it were. Meanwhile, Undertaker walks by in the background. <laughs> I just <laughs> last week they did this. And it was like an Undertaker's shadow cast on one of the buildings, which I thought was brilliant. Lovely little yep. touch. This week, he just <laughs> he just walks past. <laughs> like, he's just been to the shops. Like, oh, uh, oh, hello, Undertaker. Anyway, Undertaker's coming back. <laughs> Shouldn't the cameraman have said something? Uh, yeah, God. Poor mate, turn around, he's there. I know, he's there with me too. No, he's literally there. He's right behind you. We can all with, see him. He's walked by with a paper under his arm. <laughs> but I want that now to be the thing. I want it just to be like Paul Bearer talking to the camera, going, oh, he'll return. My Undertaker will return. And like, he'll go past on a bike. Or he'll, uh, <laughs> or he'll just sit on a bench eating a sandwich. Oh, oh, oh. I want to be one of those old-timey bicycles with a giant wheel on the front. A penny farthing. <laughs> John! Undertaker just lends himself to humor potential so easily. Oh, so easily. So easily. Was it was it him that we had going going towards um going towards somebody on the bookcase from The Simpsons the other week? It might have been. It's I, I can't keep track of all the John Eiley uh Photoshop bonanzas here. Well, this week is a busy one for you. John, we want The Undertaker on a petty farthing, please. Thank you. Our next bit on the show is actually a historical note. It is the first ever mention of the WrestleMania Fan Festival, the primitive version of Access. Oh, this is this was amazing. And they could, you could tell how excited they were to share this with us. I mean, it's a great concept. They've had it ever since, I believe. Or most years since. In certainly different versions of it. I seem to remember, it might have been this one, or it might have been another one, watching the footage of the fan access. And it was just in like a like like a hotel um, convention room, complete with like disgusting carpets. <laughs> yes, the um, 1970s shag carpeting with the mystery stains. It was, that was pretty much it, if, that's what I, if it's the one I'm thinking of. It was the Hotel Pacini Stadium when he lost that one bet. Oh, the one in Oldbury. I was talking about this today uh, with, with my good lady. I just, that's, that's amazing. That was an oh, amazing video. 
I don't know. The shock outline's still there. How about that? <laughs> See, this is it. I, I, I was, I was explaining some of these to my good lady, and I was explaining like the the Amsterdam one, the the prediction forfeit uh, that Adam Petiti had to do, where he had to go to Amsterdam mm-hmm. on a mega bus. And uh, I think the consensus is you're not going to have to do stuff like that, are you? I said, well, I, I might if I'm if I'm rubbish at predictions. Oh, that's true. That's right. You know, it's, I'm going to do this the show with somebody else one week. If you're, um, you know, if you're being shipped to like, you'd be a Christian missionary somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can tell you, you'll be fine this week because um, the the predictions video with myself and Ross is on YouTube right now, and I believe one of the predictions is um, pop pop balloons in people's in, in each other's faces. One of the forfeits is. Um, a hundred chops, and the other one is, um, I think it's called Cake Escape, where there'll be a key for the way out hidden inside a cake, and we have to eat through the cakes to find it. So there's oh, nothing that involves sure. me going to Amsterdam. Well, that's good because um, it can't be me and Matthew. You know, we need some more the personality here. Oh, that is a what? nasty dig on you both. You both have lovely personalities. Oh, well, you're the light to end biggins, both of us. I'm just, I'm, I've just got a big voice oh, and tiny hands. Too. No, you don't. You have a big hand. I have the one big hand. My, that was a deep joy this week on the, on the news video for Thursday, where I, I 150% no work or shoot completely corpsed at him. That was wonderful. He, uh, Adam has quite the laugh. I've noticed. I I snuck the I snuck the the glove down, the hand down in a in a in my black shoulder bag, and just didn't acknowledge it. Just put the bag next to my table, lifted the lid up, and just thought I'll wait for the right moment. <laughs> and boom, giant hand. And the giant hand just completely broke out of Pachiti. My mission now is to try and break him in every news video. <laughs> I am so sick of all these jokes about my giant hand. The first such incident occurred in 1957. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, back when the season was funny. I like that. I did like that. Anyway, well, let's let's carry on talking about so Undertaker's on a penny farthing in the background, and yes, he... Paul, Paul Bear is saying he will come back one day. I'm sure he will. Like I wanted to get to the point where Undertaker literally stands behind Paul Bearer, like taps him on the top of the head and hides. Undertaker walks by doing the walk like an Egyptian dance. <laughs> All of like these an Egyptian. <laughs> All the kids in the hookah place say way oh way oh way oh way oh. Anyway, walk like a dead Egyptian. Enough fun. Time for an IRS match. Oh, here we go. Here we go. This is our, our feature main event of the night. It's IRS versus Marty Jannetty. Yes, it, the third match out of five, IRS and Marty Jannetty. Booger's still making food jokes. He's apparently covered in pizza sauce, according to Vince, because he's off camera. We can't see him. IRS, I'll, I'll give him credit. He's he, he is the ultimate try-hard because he tried to cheat twice on the same pinfall attempt by pulling the tights and putting his feet on the bottom rope. Classic heel stuff. He was very healy. But now we come to my favorite part of the show, of any show of this sort. It is when the guest commentator, who is not commentary savvy or experienced, 
is forced to shoehorn any pop culture reference that is written in front of him. In this case, Bastion Booger makes reference to former Donald Trump wife Marla Maples, who is being stalked by a man named Chuck Jones who stole a bunch of her shoes. <laughs> and, and Booger has to act like he gives a damn about any of this. <laughs> you can just tell a gear shift in a live read sometimes. You feel him being poked in the shoulder by a stick. Hey, uh, hey, Vince, uh, what do you think of uh, you know, Chuck Jones? You have a lot in common with him. He, uh, he stole some shoes from uh, Marla Maples. Uh. All, all of a sudden, Bastion Booger's now in Strange Brew. I walk in here. <laughs> he's in Strange Brew and Fargo at the same time. You say he's being poked by a stick. Is it a Q-stick by any chance? No, we'll, go, we'll get to a Q-stick in a little bit. Okay. Just dropping that little little fish in the water. Oh, a, 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 a poor Q may make an appearance soon. Oh. But, first Mar- but first, Marty has to do his 360 sell off the ring post when IRS throws him into it. Beautiful. Vince knows that IRS is sweaty. Obviously, he's a big influence on Shane. So Marty's on the floor now. And out walk Jacques and Pierre, wearing their tag belts. We come back. And they've been sent to the locker room <laughs> because because this entire bit that they're going to show us during the match happened during the break, in which Jacques and Pierre attack Janetti on the floor, and, gets, and then Danny Davis runs out and he ejects both men. And this whole video takes about mm, a minute ten, and it's airing during the match while Marty and Iris are apparently still uh, going at it in the match. Keep <laughs> so, uh, this. This is a tape show. This is a taped show. They have control over the editing. This feels like somebody went very wrong in the edit suite. Well, it's a long, dark winter in New York, and uh, <laughs> they get tired very easily. Lose focus. So we come. So, so we come back. IRS has the abdominal stretch on, and out walks Raven carrying a pool cue. Or as Vince calls it, a cue stick. Well, technically, it is a cue stick, also. I've never heard it called a cue stick before. I'm sure it's either a pool cue or just a cue. Well, I mean, calling it a cue stick might not be accurate. I mean, it's accurate, but it might be excessive. Like, no one really uses that particular verbiage, but it still fits. I mean, a cue stick, it's... I'm sure I've heard that before. Okay, it might just be a a thing that, that, that sounded peculiar to me. So if you live in the America and you can correct me... In the thinking that it's bad verbiage, I'm at Tom Campbell on Twitter. Come at me, bro. I I just uh, I Google cue stick and two videos pop up. How to select the right cue stick and how to hold a cue stick. Oh, okay. Well, I apologize, Vince of 1994, for getting your verbiage erroneous. Just make sure you watch the show on Fox. I'll forgive you. <laughs> All right, Vince. I will. <laughs> So now Razor walks out because he wants to play pool, I guess. I, w- I would never, ever, ever play Razor f- pool for money because I, I bet he's very competitive. Oh, God, I'll can you imagine? I'll bet he school Harley too. Race was very competitive at pool, apparently. I hear Harley Race competitive at a lot of things. <laughs> but especially pool. Well, I was a decent pool player at one point, but I watched it once on TV where they make one on every shot, and it's like I couldn't do that. I don't have the coordination. So, 
funny part here because Razor's out here now to counteract Polo because he's always watching Jannetty's back. Out come the Quebecers again. Where's Danny Davis? Back so, and forth these two go. It's so funny. So the Quebecers get sent away by Danny Davis, who is not the referee for this match. He comes out just to eject them. <laughs> so you'd think that he would uh, he would be watching them like a hawk to make sure they don't go back out there. Well, they just walk out again like a like one of those revolving door prisons that was in George Bush's old campaign ad when he faced Michael Dukakis. There's a very old reference for you. And so they're out here. They're, they have Razor surrounded. Meanwhile, Marty's going for a slingshot of some sort from the apron to the ring. Polo just pushes his feet to the side. Marty takes this tumble, tumble of the mat, and Irish just pins him. He that was lost finish. via a missed splash. Well, I mean, it could happen if you knocked a wind out of yourself or you land on your head. I just felt a bit weak. IRS could have at least, I don't know, picked him up and hit the right off or something. Do you know how many Survivor Series I watched where somebody jobbed to a clothesline? It's true. An elbow drop? It's, it's a known fact that when you're on a team of four, your power diminishes by 25%. This is true. And not even like a Bradshaw clothesline. Like one of those Carl Malone clotheslines from 20 years ago where he barely laid in the Hogan. Like so the the one where somebody runs at you like they're holding a stick out. <laughs> Pretty much a cue stick, if you will. Oh, wait a, wait a tie it all together. Oh, thinking. So Razor and Marty clean house. Booger wants food because there's still life left in this gag. <laughs> no, the life left it ages ago, but he's gonna carry on anyway. So we come back, and Booger now has a mountain of food in front of him. Just take out trays and everything you can imagine. <laughs> what happens next killed me. Okay. okay. Is it the graphic? <laughs> okay, but, okay, before you get to that, before you get to that. Yeah, yeah, go on, go on, go on. Razor has, has apparently gotten on the phone with Jack Tunney at 9.30 on a Monday night because he wants a tag team title match. I'm Wait. trying to picture Razor Ramon knowing Jack Tunney's phone number off the top of his top of his head. While he's in a fit of rage over, you know, Marty getting screwed over. And calling Tony, who's probably in his pajamas, maybe like the duty drop ones. <laughs> or, 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 or it's Toronto, okay, so flannel pajamas. And just for that, how would that conversation have gone, if, if you can imagine it? Well, I reckon, well, it would have, it would have um, woken up him from, from his sleep, wouldn't it? I would imagine you. So, or, like, so I imagine he would have just been in bed. He would have had his, he would have had his sleepy pajamas on. He would have had his little pajama hat on as well. Yes, his uh, Ebenezer Scrooge hat. That's exactly the one. And he would have sort of been fast asleep as he's nodding off. His phone rings. <laughs> I don't, I don't think he had cell phones in '94. Furthermore, hello. <laughs> hey, Scott, I'm not going to use the gimmick voice. Listen. Which one of you is Scott? Scott you Lex Luger? <laughs> is this about the bus again? <laughs> hey, um, listen, uh, Marty just got screwed over against the t against the tax man. Now I'm going back into the character voice. Um, we want a tag title shot against Jacques and Pierre next week. Okay, if I agree to the championship match, will you let me go back to sleep? Also, why does ringside smell like all this food? The commentator's got like a whole bunch of them in front of him, and it's, it's distracting from all of us when we're trying to work. Furthermore, Bastion Booger is an excellent broadcaster. 
And that is why I put him personally in the broadcast position. Now, furthermore to that, I don't suppose you were at Raw last week. I lost a two-headed dime. <laughs> I mean, a oh, normal um... dime that I didn't cheat with. Oh, uh, I'm, I, may, I may have lost that in a dominoes bet. Let me check. <laughs> I'm going back to sleep now. Bye. And scene. <laughs> there is no way to make the that realistic. <laughs> there is no way to make that conversation realistic. <laughs> I think I think the most realistic about that thing was him having the gummy bears theme as his ringtone. <laughs> it, it is my decision to choose that ringtone for myself. <laughs> it was my decision. Because <laughs> gummy bears are bouncing here, there, furthermore, <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> Tom, we're stalling here. We have to okay, get to your favorite part of the fine. show. Okay, you... okay. Can we get to can we get to my highlight here? It is all yours. Go ahead, sir. <laughs> okay. So quite a few times in the history of Raw, we'll mention this. Um, but Raw every so often on a Monday night gets preempted for the Westminster Dog Show. And that's fine. Sometimes it'll be a reference. They'll say, we're not on next week. We're back the week after. But this, <laughs> this week, this week, they, they, somebody made the, a match graphic that they used for like, matches coming up on Raw but instead of the wrestlers it was pictures of dogs <laughs> I like the fact he's like next week the Westminster dog show like two dogs were about to have a fight it is, this, this has brought you such joy <laughs> it just killed me I was just like that's I, I, I can't decide whether Vince said we need a dog match graphic. Ah, ah, I'm a genius. Or whether somebody just took it upon themselves in their free time to make it. Do you remember the first show when they, when they ended with the graphic of Woody Allen versus Mia Farrow in a steel cage match? Yeah, it's the same guy, I bet. <laughs> a lot of mushrooms there. Oh, God. Because we two... It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> just two dogs like shadows around the edges of their uh, graphics it was just... made like a perfectly made like a match graphic but with dogs on it <laughs> with the song and everything playing in the background is like, yeah, with, with the raw week. theme as well like, honestly if you weren't paying attention and you just sort of glanced at the screen at this point you'd have assumed the next match was going to be two dogs having a fight might have been interesting it would have been brilliant I don't encourage animal violence, but that would have been no, funny. No. <laughs> well, they're just trying to make, you know, of a, a, a rough situation. You know, there's no outlet next week for Raw, so. See what uh, you did there? The... See what you did there? A rough situation. <laughs> I wasn't even trying for that. Oh, even better. Here comes a hot dog. So, Sparky Plug versus Dwayne Gill when job squatters collide. Oh, what a time to see the job squad united so early before they've even got together. Yeah, we're not calling them jobbers here. This is literally Bob Holly versus Gilberg. Five years later, they were technically allies with Al Snow and Two Cold Scorpio and the Blue Meanie. What a weird time in wrestling that will be. 
But this is this is a nice way to introduce them both. Thurm and Sparky Plug. Sparky to his friends. Well, that's a way to introduce them, but we are distracted at this point because Bastion Booger is choking on what appears to be a burger. And the, he's only having this Heimlich maneuver, so of course we can hear Booger clearly, so he's not choking. <laughs> and Vince, Vince is apprehensive about putting his arms around him. So, I mean, obviously, it's a little bit of a, you know, like, oh, you're disgusting humor, which is kind of funny. But then yeah, Vince it's, it's actually, all well and good, but there's a debut happening. Yeah, there's that, but, but then Vince actually says the following quote, which I have tweeted out already because I was in awe. I had to hit pause and let it digest. He says, I think we're going to see our first fatality on Monday Night Raw. <laughs> now, what possessed him to say that? Now, my problem with that sentence, besides everything, is that he said first. <laughs> that, which implies that there was more coming. <laughs> and also, way to disrespect The Undertaker, oh, who well, died only three weeks before. No, 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 no. That wasn't on Raw. Oh, fair enough. That's fine, then. <laughs> so this is, this is like a daily double here. One at the Rumble, one on Raw. <laughs> it's Monday Night Raw. People are dying. Yeah. Was it was it a thinly veiled reference to NASCAR or boxcar driving or whatever whatever Box- Thurman Plug's <laughs> other job is? <laughs> Box car Stock car racing. <laughs> yes, people are getting in the trains and they're driving them around the track and they're swinging their caboose carries for one another. <laughs> they're trying to knock each other off the track. Box car drive. That's what they're doing. <laughs> Stock car. I prefer box car driving. Yes, yes old box car Willie shows up. <laughs> was, there a fan, was there a band called Box Car Racer? I don't know if there was a singer called Box Car Willie. He was a country singer. There you go. It just reminds me of... um. When Monsoon would call Greg Valentine Boxcar when he, when he was part of Rhythm and Blues for like for no reason there was no like here's Boxcar here. <laughs> okay, okay, right. There was right when Blink One Eight Two had a fallout. Tom DeLonge and Travis Barker formed mm-hmm. a new group called Boxcar Racer. Okay. But it's box space car space racer as opposed to box car racer. <laughs> Which I think your image is much funnier. Curled away from the box cars, did they? <laughs> John, um, can you please make me and Justin box car drivers? I'm just picturing Homer Simpson boxing you now and then you getting tired and him just pushing you over. <laughs> That if you can if you want to do that, but put that on the front cover of a PlayStation game package. So back to Bob Holly and his big TV debut here. <laughs> oh yeah, is, lest we forget. Which is fettered by Bastion Booger choking on a burger. Uh, Holly, it's a very basic match. Holly's just doing typical babyface offense. He does hit this like modified Yakuza kick at one point, and Vince. <laughs> Vince turns boogers near death into a, sh- a plug for silk stalking. So... <laughs> I, I, I had to laugh at that because it's just, it, it's beyond self-parody at this point. And I, I even wrote this effing show. 
<laughs> and and Booger simply responds, I love that silk stockings. And Vince goes, I imagine you would. <laughs> like, so, well, what I took from that is that Vince is such a snob that he hates the other fair on USA Network. And he considers Bash and Booger to be the target audience for this big show that's on their network here that's sharing space with them. And Vince is just decrying silk stockings. He's debasing them. Well, you only have to look at that uh, WWF unbelievable advert with the with the with the guy with the receding hairline, um, mm-hmm. and and his his beautiful wife, and the whole relationship with those two. I think it kind of again gives you that idea of what Vince thinks the target demo is for WWF. Well, so talking is like WWF except with more garish clothing. <laughs> it certainly it certainly is, sir. Um, what did we make of Thurman Plug's finish? The overhead cam, which is the flying knee drop. I thought it was nice. It was an ace. How much hang time did he get? Bob Holly, who has one of the goddamn best drop kicks of all time, was an incredible athlete. I'm not saying he's still not. He's, he's, he's in his 50s now, and he's probably – I'm probably one-tenth athletic as he is today. <laughs> but Bob Holly, in, in his prime in his early 30s, damn good athlete. This just, proved it. That move was was sensational. It's just he was too much of a smiley baby face, and that's not who Bob Holly is. He needs a little more edge at this point in his mm-hmm. career. Very much so. If, if you mean like an aggressive driver who tried to kick you out a la Tony Stewart or whoever, then you might have had something there. Maybe, maybe Bob Holly <laughs> tried to kill Roman Reigns. Maybe. Could somebody Photoshop? Could somebody? Because I know John. Don't no disrespect, John. You're not the video editor, and that's okay. We love you as Photoshop. Incidentally, cheap plug for John's business. If you've got old pictures that you want to bring back to life, John's really good at photo restoration. Go speak to him, and he's brilliant like that. He's amazing. Um, but with for video editing, right? I, I want somebody to make. To get the video of Thurman Plug going like, Hey, I'm Thurman Plug. Oh, my God, I'm, I'm going to come be a wrestler. I'm going to do that there wrestling. Derp, 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 I want you that as he gets in the car and drives off and then instantly cut it with that car crashing into Roman Reigns. Well, if that was the case, Roman, he would have been finished off by that. Oh, yeah, Holly would have Holly would have finished him off completely. In terms of it. If Bob Holly chopped him as Kevlar vest, Roman would still feel it. <laughs> Holly did it. Bob Holly's going to be that guy that the fans start realizing, wow, he was pretty damn cool. All, you know, years later, you know, he'll, he'll gain a new appreciation a generation or two after he, after he was a wrestler. He'll be one of those guys. He'll become a bit of a meme, I do believe, before his time is over. Yep. No one could abuse rookies like he could. And put him and put him through some misery. <laughs> so we go to the WrestleMania report, and, and, and Pengill says, no, "No surprise, it sold out in one day." You know how unimpressive that sounds today. Oh, it's awful, isn't it? I mean, you think like <laughs> all out sold out in like eight minutes. I, I know it's just like, wait, it took sixteen hours to sell out. <laughs> it's like, it's like a whole day. Wow. It must be like a delay or something. It's the ones where they. It's the ones where it's like the week before the event. I think in the room to SummerSlam, it was like the week before the event, and they were saying, "You are going to want to get your tickets now because they are going fast." Like, oh man, you haven't sold out, have you? <laughs> this is the hardest <laughs> ticket in town. You're going to want to get it now. What I now? Like the week before? 
<laughs> stomping ground tickets are going fast. You're telling us that during the fourth match of stomping ground. <laughs> you make sure you get here for the fifth match. <laughs> Y'all better hurry. <laughs> so we, we get some exciting coin toss footage, which I put in all caps. A replay of how the WrestleMania picture played out, thanks to how one toss of the coin decided three matches for one show. It's pretty powerful stuff, actually. It, it was, yeah. That line particularly was this one flip of the coin basically changed the, the dynamic of WrestleMania. It actually changed more than three matches. It changed four. Well, it's, since Crush is freed up to do something else. Yes. So Luger's facing Yoko in the first world title match. Brett gets the winner, but first he has to face Owen in the suitable competition match, or as Pengo calls it, the only equitable way to take care of the co-winners. I was like, well, ECW has an idea for that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they just did it over the weekend. It's it's so funny how they, they were pioneering the three-way dance up the road, and it was almost like they didn't want to do that. It was like they wanted to – there was a point where they wanted to maintain the integrity of it being one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. Well, it's funny because later that year, WCW actually had the very first triangle match in their company, and I think it was Vader, Sting, and the Guardian Angel, which is wow. Big Boss Man, as they um, – you know – a savior of innocent people on the streets, which is kind of an interesting character. Wearing the uh, awesome red, uh, it was a Kangol hat. And he had a beret. Oh, yeah, he had a beret and uh, like a red top. Yeah, it, it, it was uh, it was unique. So Cornette gives us a interview with Yokozuna. He's talking on Yokozuna. Standing behalf. by right now, Yokozuna and his entourage with a very interesting spin on this WWF Championship matchup. You know, for the first time in history at WrestleMania 10, the champion is going to defend his title twice in the same day. But you see, that doesn't bother us. No, we're not disturbed by that, not in the least. Because line them up like ducks in a shooting gallery, brother, and Yokozuna will pick them off one by one. But what does bother us last week? They flipped Tony's two-headed coin, and Buffalo's got five legs. And guess who wins the coin flip? Lex Luger. Lex Luger gets the first crack at Yokozuna at WrestleMania. We don't want to face Luger. And the reason should be obvious to everybody. Because at the USS Intrepid, a hip toss gets called a body slam. Everybody talks about it. Jack Tunney doesn't change anybody's mind. Then at SummerSlam, Luger uses an illegal foreign object implanted in his forearm to knock this man out for 20 minutes. And Jack Tunney lets him get away with it. Well, Lex Luger, believe me, at WrestleMania 10, you're going to feel like you're playing the part of General Custer in a remake of The Last Stand with the original cast. Because believe me, Yokozuna will be ready for you. Bonsai! Cornette is no longer doing the whole Luger blew his one shot deal. I guess we're supposed to just forget that that happened. But they are they are emphasizing the fact that Luger has still cheated his way into this opportunity. Like going all the way back to the USS Intrepid and saying that wasn't a body slam, it was a hip toss. And now mm. it's like, oh, Jack Tunney's got this weird coin with two heads on it. And suddenly Luger's facing Yokozuna. Cornette did not tell a lie. Tony did have a two-headed coin. Certainly, he certainly did. But uh, this is, I think, considering the circumstance, they, they're making Luger to be a very dangerous threat. And that's why Cornette is angry. Because Cornette is, is kind of coming across to saying, like, because he knows, even though it's by count out, he knows that Luger's got the ability to beat Yokozuna. So Cornette is furious that it puts into jeopardy Yokozuna headlining WrestleMania. And not only that, that should Yokozuna survive, he 
has just been in a match with Lex Luger. So he's going to be cream crackered when he comes to face Bret Hart. So they do paint Luger as quite a palatable threat. Well, there is that much because Cornette doesn't know how to sell an opponent. Cornette, if nobody else in this company knows knows all the tricks of the trade in terms, in terms of just basic wrestling and the basic tenets of, of how to make this work. Even when they miss little details sometimes or, 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 or they don't build their characters properly, Cornette knows what he's doing out there. Yeah, Cornette's on it. If, if Cornette played in basketball, he'd be your clutch shooter. Nice. When all fails, you go to, you go to him. And, and we mentioned Crush earlier being freed up. He's going to be facing Macho Man Randy Savage in a Falls Count Anywhere match. Now, that sounds exciting, a Falls Count Anywhere match, because it's you have crazy-ass Randy Savage who wants to kill this man, and he's going to be across the ring from him in a match with no rules of any kind. Ah, uh, but the problem here is there are rules. Tom, have you seen this match? I have indeed, and I know the one ruling question that you're think that you're thinking of, and I think I know why it was put in. Okay, well, I'll explain the rules, and then if you want, you can uh, I can try to justify them. Basically, in a false county where a match, it just ends with one fall. You you could pin him anywhere in the ring. You could pin him on the surface of Saturn. It doesn't really matter. But in this case, what they're going to do, you have to pin him outside the ring. That's the that that's that's the big rule, because your opponent, after you've pinned him, will have 60 seconds to return to the ring. It's a it's like a modified last man standing match, and if he gets back in there, then the match continues. So the, the part of the goal is to pin him as far away from the ring as possible, and then hope that they're they're both too tired and too far away to resume the match through their under their own power, and then you win. So that's, that seems a little bit needlessly complicated for this kind of match. I think the mindset was, because this, this is a company that is still, that's, that's very still traditional. Hence why, like, mm. the, the opportunity of a three-way match presented itself, and they went with something incredibly convoluted instead. The same way mm. that they've had the opportunity to present something a little bit rougher and tougher they've gone for something quite convoluted instead. And I think I'm, I reckon, and this is only what I think, I can't speak for anybody else, I think because they're traditionalists, I think that they were still keen to make sure that the decision for the match happened in the centre of the ring. Which, because I think having pinned somebody backstage, the fear was that you wouldn't have that big reaction ah. in the venue. Well, and obviously, I, we, know, I don't know how in WrestleMania 10, how at Madison Square Garden, how they were in terms of like screens and coverage and stuff. So if you had a pin outside, you might have lost some of the impact of it. So at least if you're going to do that, you can then have the celebration in the ring with everybody seeing it. May I give you a spoiler about six weeks in advance here? Yeah, sure. Fans pop big for the finish, having seen it on the big screens in the arena. Right, so they were aware anyway. They saw... Yeah, yeah so... It, it, might been, it might have been like a, some sort of contingency thing, and, and it was like saying, well, just in case, and it's like, oh, we, we could have just done that finish that way then. Yeah, I think maybe... Because yeah, they'd never done anything... Because in the modern-day WWF, or well, I think ever in the WWF, they'd never done a match like this. I mean, you obviously had sort of hardcore matches and stuff 
before the Hulkamania era, but in the modern Street era. Street fights, bunkhouse brawls. Yeah, all that. But like since sort of the the arrival of Hulkamania and the the golden era, as it's called, like none of that really happened. They kind of that kind of all got pushed into the into the darkness. So this is them sort of taking those tentative steps back towards that kind of mm. thing. Well, plus it would, it would change once they got a you know an actual Titan Tron that made it a little bit different. Yeah, that changed the game a bit. Yeah, so you could see everything. But yes, it's uh, I'd have been happier just seeing Savage and Crush just beat the crap out of each other until one guy couldn't go anymore. But it is what it is. Exactly. And 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 of course, this will be Randy Savage's last WrestleMania match and appearance. So this so this match is doubly historic. Still there. Oh yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it would indeed be his last one, which is amazing because you think like it would, it, we wouldn't lose Savage for a long while yet, but yet this would be his final mania. Not just that, but his final pay-per-view match with the company as well. Jeez, oh man, I'm gonna miss Savage when he's gone. Oh, from our timeline, we know he's already gone, but from our timeline, I think we all miss Randy Savage in general. Oh gosh, yeah. So, Crusher's in our next match, then. On the heels of that announcement, it's Crush versus Dave Thornburg, who Thornburg, appears to be a teenager. Thornburg. Thornburg. <laughs> <laughs> the wild Thornburgs. <laughs> Nigel Thornburg just pulls up in a big SUV. <laughs> Dave Thornburg can't be older than, like, 18 years old here. He's a young boy, isn't he? Yeah, he's very fresh-faced and sort of uh, rosy-cheeked. I gotta say, in terms of in terms of underrated theme music, Crush has me near the top of that list. Because at this point, he just had this very evil, menacing-sounding, impending doom orchestral piece that just fit him. It wasn't the super cool heavy metal surfer music that he had in it as a babyface, but it's, it's just like pure evil is upon you, and Crush is going to inflict it upon you. It's so simple, but it works. I liked it. I liked it. And Booger, meanwhile, has got a date with Tanya Harding tonight because we're not done with the pop culture references. For those of you who weren't alive in 1994, Tanya and Nancy was was a very big deal. <laughs> yes, I, if you've watched I, Tanya Harding, you'll understand the, the, what she was. And her getting compared and, and, and put together with Bastian Booger was also equally hilarious. In this modern era where Olympics don't do good ratings at all, when Tanya and Nancy went out to skate for their respective turns, that did monster ratings because the scandal was just so enormous. It was the, it was tabloid, it was tabloid chum, and the feeding frenzy was ticked off. It was it was it was the stuff that news outlets dream of. Oh yeah, it was. I mean, I've only watched it based it on the documentary, and it was what a fascinating what a fascinating person. As kids, we used to act it out. Okay, okay, okay. I'll be tiny this time, and you be Nancy, hitting like why me, why me. <laughs> Because we were cruel kids. <laughs> so Crush gets possibly the coolest move of his career when Thornburg, I think, swings that. Crush grabs the arm and yanks him down into a Fujiwara arm bar, almost pulling his arm right out of his socket. It was it was very, very deft. And meanwhile, Booger Vincent Crush gets the Diane Sawyer and the Fox Network for some reason. Vince is like, he needs a Snickers bar really bad. Because you're not you when you're hungry. 
Well, actually, I think, I think the back he is decidedly Vince on this show. <laughs> Sat next to Booger all night, who's just pushing food into his face. Like, Vince, he's doing what you told him to do. Yeah, he's playing a character you asked him to play. So, Crush, Crush shrugs him a lot, gets his cool-looking effortless press slam, and then finishes with a basic leg drop. Because if one of these is going to piss Randy Savage off, it's being a tall guy with blonde hair and doing a leg drop. <laughs> it's, I, I wonder if that's what he was going for. Should have been flexing. I am a also, real Hawaiian. Anyway. <laughs> Brother. Well, well, it is an American, so. It is they, the state. In, the, in the run of this leg drop, Vince talks about Hogan being in Insider magazine. He and did. He spits, yeah, and he spins off this really odd rhetoric. And he's like, oh, Macho Man's talking in Insider magazine about about being cool, being being awesome, and not doing drugs. Oh, and Crush has won the match. <laughs> Watch it back. It is the weirdest bit of dialogue from Vince McMahon. Over oh, talking about the first fatality on Monday Night Raw. Well, okay, the second weirdest bit of dialogue from Vince McMahon. This is like Vince's best and worst show ever at the same time. <laughs> Weird combo for Vince. Well, he did have the trial coming up in a few months. Maybe he, maybe it's starting to dawn on him that life might be changing. So Crush finishes off uh, Thornburg. Thornburg. We, we come back and we find out the match is official for next week or for two weeks from now. Razor and Janetti versus the Quebecers. Spoiler alert. One person in that match is not going to be wrestling in the match. Ooh, ooh, I like. I, I now, I, I, as I've said a few times on this podcast, I haven't been, I wasn't watching Raw at this point, so all these are very new to me, and I genuinely don't know who it is. Card subject is to change because as of this week, somebody might not be on the roster for much longer. Oh no! Don't want to make light of it, but it's uh, this is what happens when you tape shows so far in advance that uh, you have to. Make do with what you have, because changes are coming. Well, we'll talk about that, I think, next week. I've got an idea. I think I know, but we'll talk about it next week. We go backstage with the Quebecers, who cut a very interesting promo, them and Johnny Polo. Polo changed his shirt for some reason. Pierre, foreshadowing his future character, punches the hole through the paneling of the building. PCO, briefly making an appearance in the past. He wasn't human then either. No. Then, then Jacques Rougeau, in a moment that actually made me laugh out loud, angrily calls Jack Tunney a no-good Canadian. <laughs> Jacques Rougeau, who may be the most openly Canadian wrestler of all time. Well, I guess he'd be the third on, on, on who's a good, a good Canuck and a bad Canuck. Oh, it doesn't matter because Tunney was asleep at this point. He'd nodded back off. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, he drifts in and out. <laughs> and then, just when you think that the bat-esque craziness is over for the night, it is not. Because we go to the plugs for next week, or for two weeks from now. Bret Hart is going to be facing a heavenly body. <laughs> Why so vague? I don't know. It, it's Bret with a picture of both Tom Pritchard and Jimmy Del Rey. One of them's going to be facing him. We don't know who. Bret doesn't even know. It just surprise. seems a weird take to go, ah, we're not going to tell you which of these two you're going to face. Oh, okay, fine. It's like, it was the original Twin Confusion, except one has long hair and the other guy has short hair and a mustache. <laughs> that is a weird, that is a weird short-sighted game of Twin Magic, that is. 
<laughs> you can look, but you can't touch. You can touch, but you can't look. <laughs> I, I would say the bodies doing the Bella Twins, um, like tandem dance up on the ramp would be disturbing, but Del Rey's dance is more disturbing than that. Admittedly, it would be slightly vomit-inducing. <laughs> Razor and Marty versus the Quebecers. And then we give Booger dog food because the dog shows in, two, in next week. He starts eating a milk bone on the air. Of course he does. Booger, if nothing else, was committed to the gag. I like the fact that, that throughout the whole show, like he completely owned it. He must have been exhausted at the end. Never let it be said that Mike Shaw was not a team player. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. And that's why I can't score him too low on the shyster Heenan scale. Oh, no, no, no. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. Okay. We're not there yet. We have one more bit on the show. We cut to Men on a Mission, the Bushwhackers, and Doink and Dink all stand together, and they are barking. <laughs> because the dog show. Well, yes, because that was... That was our salute to the dog show next week, and and, and, and their show of solidarity was was taking those six. Like, what is the, I have never. What is the point? I mean, unless they unless they they're currying favor with USA by saying we'll we'll plug the US the plug the dog show. If if Crispin Glover had seen that, he would have said, "Dude, that's too weird." Yeah, <laughs> uh, what a what a what a weird take that was. It was like a scene from a Peter Gabriel music video. <laughs> so that's how Raw goes off the air this week, ending possibly the most bizarre show that we've covered to this point. So weird. It's funny how a, a commentator can change the shape of a show like that. It's not just the commentator, but well, wait, are you talking Booger or Vince? Booger mainly. <laughs> I mean, like, obviously everything else happened around it and it was fine, but you've got to bear in mind that those are the voices that you're going to hear all night long. So the, the whatever Booger was talking about was taking a lot of precedent. There was some, there was some good stuff in there. The Owen Hart stuff, Owen Hart was just brilliant. Like, this is an exciting time for Owen Hart. We're going towards something amazing. Yeah, and uh, Owen's being built for Brett at WrestleMania, and we, we have the... We have four matches for me, and it looks like a pretty solid card so far. But, man, I think what I got from this is that Vince needs someone to rein him in. Absolutely. More than anything Vince else. needs somebody to control things a bit more than he is. He needs, he needs someone like Savage or Heenan or even a Cornette or even like a Johnny Polo who's at least focused on the action enough to put the action over. Because you've got to bear in mind that Vince is – when Vince is out there with Booger, or when Vince is out there with IRS, he is the most reliable voice. Yes, and and if he's uh, too far in on the gag, or, or if he's just caught up in you know too many pop culture references, or too, you know, too many headlines, or too, or just he's too in on the joke that the, that the color commentary is getting across, then he's not himself, or he's not at his best. And he's the salesman here. And what and what he sold us was a dog show. That's all he sold us. It's true. <laughs> it's like, I'm more interested in the dog show than the tag team title match. I, I think they really made the dog show quite a featured part of the night. I was excited for the dog fighting we didn't get. <laughs> if this was Extreme Warfare, they were telling us, you have pushed the dog show too hard. It's starting to lose over in us. <laughs> 
Oh, Vince. Anyway, where are we put in booger on the Shyster Heenan scale? So this is the commentation scale of justice that started as the Bartlett Heenan scale. Then it became the Crush Heenan scale because Crush was worse than Rob Bartlett. And now it is the Shyster Heenan scale because IRS was worse than Crush and Rob Bartlett. So we now sit on the precipice of are we going to add... Oh, is, the, is the scale going to change its name again, first of all, Justin Henry? It almost did, and I'll tell you what changed it. Okay. Was doing the show. Was doing the show with you. Going into the show, before we started recording, when I was putting my nachos back in the fridge, I'm thinking, God, that's, what, that's the worst raw so far. There was, there, they were so far in on the fat jokes and the food jokes and all that stuff that it just it killed the vibe of the show for me, and it was not enjoyable at all. So, yeah, I'm, I was going to say burger was the worst, but – Along the way through our mutual discussion, we noted that how bashing Booger was was just he was playing what he was he was he did what he was supposed to do. It was like the milligrams experiment, but with food. Yeah, that's that's it. That's it. Like, that's a great way of describing it. The milligram experiment, but with food. We're so high, Brown, me and you, mate. That's that one. Well, I know the Peter Gabriel song. But, so, having said that, Booker just did what he was supposed to do, and he tried. He, he's, he's, he's a naturally funny guy, it's just the material stuck. I think that it's was not... what saved him. I think that, like, I like the, the, the whole joke's about, oh, he eats a lot, ah, uh, ha, 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 he's got bad hygiene. They're, they're of a time, and, it's, and you couldn't do it now, and it's just a bit... <laughs> but it's the fact that, as you say, Mike Shaw has a, is a naturally charming guy. Like he's got a, a he's got a charisma about him that IRS does not have. Like he's right. stoic. But whereas Mike Shaw, like, has a warmth and a funny value to him that that actually saved him from having a scale named after him. In the words of fellow Gersh wrestler Gene Snitsky, it wasn't his fault. It absolutely wasn't. He was doing a job, and for that. On the scale, I want to give him three out of ten. I thought he was bad, but that was the material. But he certainly wasn't the worst I've ever heard. Fair play, three out of ten. I will agree with. And we said, and it's and it's a three out of ten with love to Bastian Booger. Yeah, it's like giving the Bart Simpson, you did your best, cake. He would appreciate you, it. Exactly, exactly. So next week's an exciting one then with a, 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 some no, no, replaced. Two, two two weeks from now. Sorry, I'm, no, I'm talking about the dog show. Oh, right. That's, um, Are we going to review the dog show? Yes, you always put on your one of the, of the craps before the contest starts because they're the most peppy at that point. Just to warn you, I will indeed start next week's show with a cap, a recap of the dog show from 94. Okay. You think I'm joking? Do you think I'm joking? No, I, I know you're not because uh... I, I, I know who I'm talking to here. <laughs> and I do. And if you want to talk to him as well, he is at JRH Writing. On Twitter, I am at Tom Campbell on Twitter. Collectively, we are at Cultaholic on Twitter. On this podcast feed tomorrow, a brand new episode of Wrestling Curiosities. This week, spoiler: Did you know that Henry VIII and King Francis the First had themselves a wrestling match? Oh, they didn't. Did we'll talk about it tomorrow. Speak to you then. Until then, I love you. Bye. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 